Hi, everyone. This is Joshua Hoffman, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success, and in season two, discuss the future of marketing. Today, I have Netta Kivalis, the founder and CEO of Blue Seedling, a boutique enterprise B2B marketing agency for high-growth startups and scale-ups. Welcome, Netta. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Of course, all the way from Tel Aviv on your side. Um, so, yes, as I just mentioned, you know, you have the honor of opening up our season two. And I thought you were the perfect guest to start because I actually asked you on our discovery call, so the, the call before this, you know, like, what will make this a great episode? And you literally said AI, chat GPT, and, and its impact on marketing. So um, I want to jump into it right there uh, and basically ask, you know, how do you think that AI, and in any direction you want to take this, uh, but AI tools are going to impact the next two years? Excellent. So I'm excited to talk about it because I feel a huge dichotomy in the market currently between the hype and buzz that you see when you go on LinkedIn, for example, and reality that I experience when I talk to fellow marketeers, agency owners, other marketing leaders, which ranges from I tried it, it didn't work, I stopped using it, or I'm not sure exactly how to work it into my day-to-day I haven't seen a lot of marketeers crossing the chasm and really incorporate GPT or generative AI in general in a productive, ROI effective way into their workflow. And that goes both for like agency folks as well as house marketeers. However, I think that it's indeed a revolutionary technology. That's going to be a sea change and a game changer for any and every marketer in the next one, two, three, five years. And I should preface by saying that typically I'm like the biggest skeptic. Like I literally wrote a blog post which says that your marketing tech stack is like not interesting. Marketing technology is not going to make or break your marketing success. However, this is the exception. When I saw ChatGPT and understood the consequences, I got super excited. I think right now we are in the waiting phase where we're waiting for all the startups that are coming along to package ChatGPT into marketing and sales specific applications and tools that will make it more usable, more user-friendly, more bulletproof for us. So whether it's things like content marketing, incorporating a tone of voice that doesn't suck and actually lets you create a blog post end-to-end using generative AI, which is not the case today. Um, Going through uh, outbound email prospecting. So SDRs or marketeers writing cold emails using generative AI. Again, in a way that's not lame and doesn't suck like it kind of is today to uh, visual generative AI. So images, videos, and we have a few clients in this space currently creating new products based on generative AIs for visual media. So the applications are really endless. And the last thing I would say on this particular question is that I think if you're a marketer today, my recommendation would be just just play with it, just experiment with it. And if you're an agency owner, encourage your team, get them the paid subscription, encourage them to play around with board and chat GPT and 
the plethora of tools that we currently already have, because that will give you a competitive advantage. You're going to be an early adopter, and you're going to have a, a legs up, um, leg up on anyone who's currently like intimidated or unsure, because it's not going away. So you'd better get used to it, and you'd better jump on the bandwagon and, and start loving it. So then what do you see as you kind of talked about how people should be using it now? And I completely agree. Just just get on there. See what kind of stuff you can find out through it. Um, see how it might help you. And I have a, a few notes on that later. But, you know, what do you think is going to be the biggest difference? How people are using it now versus two years from now versus even like 10 years from now? Yeah. So uh, something the biggest thing that's missing from right now is a solid tone of voice. Mm. that I can customize for each, in our case, it's for each of our clients. So a cybersecurity early stage startup is very different than Blue Ceiling, which is a marketing agency, is very different than um, FinTech scale-up, for instance. With ChatGPT currently, they all sound the same. And by the way, the default tone of voice is kind of, Vanilla, in my opinion, and sure, you can customize it. You can say, oh, write like Jerry Seinfeld, but guess what? Like my cybersecurity client is not Jerry Seinfeld, right? So we're actually working with a couple of startups, and I would mention AnyWord, which is a really cool ChatGPT plugin and a standalone tool that has a solution uh, working progress for customizable tone of voice. That's one thing. A second thing is I think we're going to see a ton of marketing use cases that currently the people who are in the know or using package as applications and, and like menu items that you can just choose in a dedicated application. So, for example, a use case that we currently love is brainstorming with ChatGPT board. So, for example, give me 10 ideas for cool swag for a conference targeting CMOs in e-commerce in Florida in December. Okay? So, and, and it gives you 10 ideas and then it gives you 10 additional ideas and so on and so forth. It's amazing for kickstarting brainstorming. This is one use case that we currently kind of need to redo each and every time. Packaging that as like a dedicated standalone product is I think relatively straightforward. And that would be cool. So I think all of these like spray forward marketing use cases are going to be packaged up and maybe it's going to be part of an existing platform like HubSpot or maybe it's going to be like a standalone tool or website. I don't know, but to me, that's like a no-brainer and we're all going to use it. Like if you're not going to use it, it's going to be like, I don't know, not using um, Mojito for email. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, no, not I, using a calculator. One. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And and the way that we've been really using it, and, and I'm very lucky to have a lot of people that are really diving into this and, and can make me sound a little bit smarter when it comes to all this. But we we kind of say that it's more of a thought partner, right? Like now you have a thought partner that is just a, an expert into whatever you ask it. So it's, you know, it's not necessarily going to be great at, I mean, it's great at so many things, but but to use it more as, as if you think of it and brand it as a thought partner, it's a beautiful tool. Um, and I'm really curious what you think that Jerry Seinfeld or Larry David would, would say about AI. I, I can't, unless, unless you actually want to answer that. Uh, but I do want to ask, again, feel free to take that one if you want. Uh, but where shouldn't you use AI and ChatGPT and these types? Type of resources. 
So Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David is uh, pretty high more. I love the thought partner uh, analogy. I would say you're probably generous because I think about it as an intern. So she's very smart. She's very eager. She's never tired. She always says yes. However, every once in a while, it's like Monday morning and she comes into the office with like with like a hangover from the weekend and she hallucinates and it's just like <laughs> completely bonkers. But uh, that's how I look at it. And I think it's amazing, especially for, for folks who are remote, maybe working on their own as freelancers. You suddenly have like a counterpart working with you and brainstorming with you and helping you write. So you're never alone, which is uh, delightful. No, I, I completely agree. You know, it's funny. I will say that I, I refuse to use pronouns for AI. <laughs> like I, I try to mix it up. Sometimes it's refuse. a he, sometimes it's a he. They is probably the safest. I don't want humans to connect with these these tools on that level. So in my mind... Uh, I, it's already happening, Josh. That's true. I'm sure there's like a human now in love with their <laughs> AI. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, do you have any examples of how you guys have either used it like very specifically or even used it as a thought partner? Is there anything you can kind of share on that site, cold emails, whatever it is? Yeah, so definitely brainstorming. For the writing process, I would say the um, utopian vision of like, I'm going to give you an idea or a brief and you're going to write the entire thing for me end to end. Not realistic at the moment, but it's, for example, Here's a blog post I wrote. Let's create a title together. That's an amazing use case. We always use it now for blog post titles. We use it for SEO improvements. It's not as good as like a dedicated SEO professional, but like we don't always need the SEO professional and sure, a post can benefit from some SEO juice. Um, what else? Oh, I found an amazing, I use it almost every day for HR tasks. Mm. So, for example, we are doing a series of training sessions internally for our team. And the first one was <laughs> about difficult personalities, essentially. But I do want to title it Difficult Personalities because I, I don't think that's a good title. And I use ChatGPT to help me pick the better title, Different Personalities. Just an example. Um, we were, I wanted to see, sometimes we use McKinsey as an analogy for like a big professional services firm. And there are a lot of things that we can learn from it. So I asked ChatGPT about how McKinsey trains junior people. So saving you the time of Googling and getting all the crap that you often encounter on Google. Exactly. Now, this is not like PhD level research and all oftentimes hallucinations. It doesn't even replace talking to someone real at McKinsey to get like the, the real deal, but it's it's a good starting point. I, I, and you know, like again, I, I it's not a copy and paste thing. It's it's you're using this as a tool. It's not the end all be all. And I think that's probably the most important thing. 100%. Um now okay, now let's take a step back and can you actually just tell us a little bit more about your business? Yeah, definitely. So I uh founded 
what is now Lucy Lynn seven years ago. Um, in two seconds about myself, I'm a coder. I'm a software engineer, computer science uh, undergrad from Tel Aviv University in Israel. I was a product manager, and then I switched over to the evil side, and I got my MBA at Harvard Business School in Boston, and then I had worked at Amazon for three years in Seattle and New York doing product and marketing. Then I was head of marketing for a marketing analytics startup called Castoa in New York City, where we sold to enterprise retailers. And then after three years at the store, um, I, I started on my own. Initially, it was me freelancing with B2B startups. And over time, it grew and I added more folks to the team. And today, we're a team of about 15 based in the United States and me in Israel since uh, three years ago, COVID. And we work with high growth startups and scale ups. B2B enterprise, so selling to enterprises mainly in the US, Fortune 500. Um, and we do everything with them that's B2B related. So the, the best thing to think about us is a marketing team out of the box, but we just happen to be an agency. So everything from planning to positioning, messaging, branding, budgeting strategy to planning and execution of demand generation B2B marketing campaigns across channels, whether it's content, email, events, conferences, webinars, and so on and so forth. What uh, I always find it so fascinating when someone goes from coding to business or business to coding, whether it's sales, marketing, whatever it is. So is there anything that you brought from your coding life into marketing? Whether it's yeah. working, whether if, yeah, yeah. I actually think there are a lot of similarities, and I highly recommend it as a career path. Um, I I was a decent coder. I've never been the best coder, and at some point, I realized that I also like working with people. So switching <laughs> to the business side made sense to me. Yeah. I always think about marketing as a spectrum ranging from creative, copywriting, messaging, narrative. All of that stuff, that's not me. I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum, which is quantitative, analytical, um, demand gen, if you will, project management. And so a lot of the skills like quantitative thinking, analytics, analytical skills, even building and creating something from scratch and saying it in real life, uh, seeing the impact, Debugging it, I, I find a lot of uh, similarities. I still have to create and, and launch things and uh, see things materialize out of uh, thin air. Yeah, I always find it so interesting, again, because like I, I think that coding and a few, and I've mentioned this before, um, but coding and like law, is it's almost a, a different way of thinking. And, and it gives you this kind of benefit of, of thinking a little bit differently. Because, you know, there's when you're coding, obviously, you got to think about things way in the future and how that will operate or how it will break it. So I think it's just kind of a, a different way of thinking. And I guess, uh, speaking of a different way of thinking, a lot of your blog posts actually hover around contrarian views. And just to highlight a few of them, and I'll kind of let you pick one or two of them and, and go from there. You know, you did why paid online marketing doesn't work for enterprise B2B startups. You have uh, debunking common myths. Uh, another popular one you mentioned is, you know, uh, why you don't believe in SDRs. 
Um, so I'll, I'll kind of give you either those three, or if you want to take a different direction, I, I know this is a pretty good topic to ask you, so I'll let you run with it. Yeah, let's do it. So um, first off, I'll say that the few you mentioned and a lot of my uh, myth-busting quotes, some of them are like two, three, four, four, even years old, even older, and they're still evergreen and all the test of time. And some of them become more and more relevant and as time go, goes by, which is interesting. And I love writing them because I think in B2B marketing, there are so many misconceptions and people think of them as gospel, but they're just like plain wrong. And sometimes it's a matter of like experience, common sense, finding it out to yourself or reading blog posts from other people and be like, oh yeah. So it's not just me who can't get SDR to work at my company. It's not my fault. It's just like, it does, it's not something that works. So if we pick on that one specifically, I think it's completely bananas that you hire SDRs, that the classic paradigm is let's hire a bunch of college grads, no experience in anything, but with the wish of becoming a salesperson, so an AE, an account executive. And real quick, uh, SDR being a sales uh, development representative. Exactly. The folks who do called email, called outreach, sometimes called calls. Typically, it's a lot of cold emails, email prospecting. And you take these kids who, who want to become salespeople. So presumably, to be a salesperson, you need to be a great um, a, a people person, thinking well on your fate. You love to talk to people. You love to interact. You're not necessarily very organized, very methodical. You're not a good writer. Like, do you know a lot of salespeople who are also good writers? I don't. So, like, why would these people be good at essentially email marketing, which is a marketing task? So that's like my entire conundrum here. If you want these folks to do email marketing, well, that should be a marketing task. So it's fine to hire these people and just put them under your marketing folks and have the marketeers run the email marketing program like they do with newsletters and webinar invites and any other sort of marketing. And call that like a part of marketing that's called like email prospecting. And that's the way I always do it when it's up to me. Um, the second myth you mentioned, which is online advertising. So I can't tell you how many clients I have where they're like, not necessarily right now, but like a year or two or three ago where it's like, okay, we wasted a bunch of money and we want to invest it in sales and marketing. So what should we do? Oh, let's just blow it on LinkedIn ads and Google ads and whatever ads. And that just does not work. Now, with the caveat, with the asterisk of it doesn't work for early stage enterprise B2B startups. It works for other flavors, but not for that particular variant. And there are many reasons. The biggest one is that it's going to be so expensive and take such a long time because in enterprise sales, first of all, your targeted addressable market is very small. So your pool of people you're targeting is very small and therefore the cost is going to be insane. And second, it's enterprise. So by definition, the sales cycle is six months, 12 months, sometimes even longer. So until you get a signal from the campaign 
that will enable you to understand, okay, I'm bringing in good leads and getting ROI positive results. I'm like bringing in deals and closing new customers. It's going to be months, if not years. So you're just not going to be able to know and optimize. And the combination of these two things plus a bunch of other factors just makes every single company waste a ton of money and then three or six or 12 months in be like, okay, we just spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars on these campaigns and we don't, don't know new customers from these campaigns. And then they're like, oh, maybe like six months. Okay, at some point, you just need to shut it off. Otherwise, you would just like take this money and burn it because that's what you're essentially doing. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. And um, yeah, so just to get to a few questions that I, I tend to ask towards the end, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? I would not. So I always tell clients and our team, I can teach you B2B marketing. It's very easy. What I don't know how to teach you, or I know how to teach you, but it's so hard. I think so much time and that's our focus is people skills. So how to influence, how to convince, how to get along, how to deal with different personalities, how to become a trusted advisor. These are all priceless skills that we're investing a ton into teaching because I know how to teach any smart and curious and hungry person B2B marketing, not rocket science. Anyone with those skills can learn it. People skills, which... ChatGPT helped me rename from soft skills to people skills because they're not soft. They're so hard, but <laughs> that's the winning ticket. It's not about running like email campaigns. It's about being a great person. Do you do you have any? So the last question I will ask is like books. Uh, but do you have any uh, resources or books specific to this? Yes. The classic how to win friends and influence uh, people. I asked it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was just talking about it today with a team member and we were joking that it's more relevant than ever. However, I wish they would come out with like an updated edition because the examples from like decades ago don't really hold that to some time. But what I would say to that is, like, look how timeless it is. You know, like, yes, the examples are old, but it shows the timelessness. I, I forget when the book was written, like in the 30s or 20s or something around there. Um, and it just shows you how timeless, you know, that book could have been written in the year zero, right? Like, it's 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 just, it, it continues to be relevant. Um, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? We actually are. We are always looking, but... Um, specifically now we're looking for marketing managers so the profile for this is a um, someone early in their career who's looking to get into enterprise b2b marketing and finds it interesting and is curious passionate smart dedicated and will like you said will teach you b2b marketing will also invest in your people skills and uh, you'll get to work with uh, some of the world's fastest startups and scale-ups with the world's uh, best B2B marketing team. Perfect. And last question, any book, podcasts, uh, newsletter, anything recommendations? Yeah. Um, 
So for books, I I love reading um, food memoirs. I find the food industry great inspiration for agency owners. The, the bar is really high and um, they always aspire to a level of excellence and being the best that uh, are really inspiring to me. So this year I loved Unreasonable Hospitality. That's the name of the book. It's by Will Gudera. He was the former uh, general manager of Eleven Madison Park in New York City at three-star Michelin restaurant and the number one restaurant in the world according to the uh, Sandbelt Winner Ranking. And we surprisingly found a ton of ideas that we're excited to implement with our clients who do not come to us to dine on, you know, caviar, but they're coming for caviar enterprise B2B marketing. Any other books that you want to shout out? This is my favorite part, so. <laughs> um, along the same lines, Danny Mayer setting the table. So Danny Mayer, the legendary entrepreneur um, from New York City, um, same thing. That's a combination of how to run the world's best restaurants plus exuding hospitality, which is all about like winning friends and influencing people. So it's all um, the same two streaks: how to be excellent and how to be just like a good person. I, I just love that you didn't give like, you know, the, the basic business or marketing books. I, I like they went kind of outside the box there. That was, that was really good. Uh, and as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Yes. So I highly recommend our blog as well, bluesseedling.com slash blog. We publish um, years and years of free um, key study-based enterprise B2B marketing content, including courses and key studies and webinars with our clients. So that's a warm recommendation. And I'm on LinkedIn, so people are welcome to connect with me there. Um, so yeah, I'm always uh, up to chatting with other fellow B2B marketeers. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And for those of you who have learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting the highest quality guests. And as always, thank you for listening. Netta, I, I love this episode. I'm glad that we got to get you in for uh, season two. So thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.